Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Volunteer Country on SI podcast. I'm your host, Jack Foster, joined again by Matt Ray. But this time, we're talking some recruiting. We've got a special guest here with us today in CJ Eldridge. CJ is returning to Volunteer Country in a contributor role, covering some recruiting for us along with Matt. And Matt and CJ, definitely the best recruiting experts I know. So we got some good content coming your way on today's pod. But I'm going to let CJ introduce himself for you guys before we get into all that. So CJ, floor is yours, man. Uh, well, I don't know about the best recruiting expert, but uh, yeah, uh, I've wrote with Volunteer Country before. I actually spent about a year with them, mainly during the 2020 class. Uh, did a bunch of articles for them. I went to a couple of games and uh, actually covered one of the recruits on National Signing Day. So uh, took a little bit of a break because of COVID and some other things going on with family, but I'm back, happy to be back, ready to go. Yeah, absolutely, man. We're excited to have you back. And I'm excited to talk some recruiting with you guys today. But like I said, y'all are going to be doing the majority of the talking here today. And Matt and CJ, let's get started. Let's start with the where the Vols stand with their 2022 targets remaining uh, going into February and just that kind of outlook. So we got 10 minutes with this topic. Y'all go for it. Yeah, so first, let's just talk. come back to CJ coming back. Excited to have CJ back with us. As he mentioned, he worked with us in the past during the 2020 class. Um, a valuable asset, a guy that understands, you know, the new age of recruiting, social media aspect, how recruits handle that, what to look for. You know, there's so many tea, tea leaves you try to read to to make, to make these connections. So excited to have CJ back with us. Um, but, you know, CJ, I think looking at this 2022 class, Tennessee's kind of hitting reset here. They signed 20 guys in the early signing period, uh, brought in the one transfer in Gerald Mincy, who committed to them unexpectedly during uh, an official visit right there before uh, the final week, during that final week and leading up to the early signing period. Um, but they've got 21 spots filled right now, and really Tennessee kind of hitting reset. They're still involved with Jared Verse, the Albany transfer, um, who seems like they have really battled for down the stretch in a good spot for him having conversations with him seems like a decision could come sooner than later. He wants to find that home before January. He ideally wanted to have it done before Christmas. But that just, that wasn't realistic. Uh, Ahmad Moten, a guy that in the 2022 class was a late bloomer, Tennessee has uh, battled in that recruitment there. Rodney Garner has really piqued Moten's interest, but he's a guy that has a top five. He's going to take four official visits four official visits in February and go from or January leading into February and go from there. So for me, it feels like that, you know, Tennessee is kind of having to hit reset just a little bit on their board, evaluate what is there in the transfer portal, as well as what's still out there in the high school ranks, you know, so some guys, Jeremiah Caldwell still hanging around. They, you know, entertained some interest in him early on. Seemed like they could have won out there at one point. Don't you feel like CJ? Yeah, it was about a couple months ago after he had decommitted from Kentucky. It really came down to Tennessee and Michigan State, and he didn't sign anywhere. A lot of people thought that he might have signed with Michigan State during the early signing period. That didn't happen. And so he's still kind of hanging around there. Uh, he comes from one of the powerhouse high schools in Michigan, Belleville. They put out a whole bunch of uh, top-end talent that goes to a lot of Big Ten schools, mainly Penn State. And so that was a place that Tim Banks had a connection there, and that was – uh, pretty much the reason that Jeremiah Caldwell was interested in Tennessee to begin with was because of Tim Banks. Yeah, and I mean, I think when you look at Jeremiah Caldwell, he's a guy that at the end of the day, maybe you don't take him in that first 
first group if he's not going to sign early. You know, he was a guy that throughout the process and talking with him, he discussed that he wanted to make a decision after his senior season and and see what was there. Uh, didn't didn't seem like Michigan State rushed him to a decision. Um, Tennessee obviously hasn't rushed him to a decision. But now if you're Tennessee, I think he's at least a name to monitor, not necessarily even a guy that they're going to push for. But, again, I think they're hitting reset and, and going to evaluate. It's obvious that they need to add some length and some playmaking ability to the back end. Caldwell may be a little bit more projecting. Um, but I think that he's a guy that definitely has the length, def- definitely has some athleticism that you can get creative with him and – if there's not a transfer portal DB out there with two, three years left that you feel good about, then that's a guy that I think you look at more towards the end, towards the finish line there in February. Um, Another guy that I think that you evaluate depending on what's there in the transfer portal that I think Tennessee's talking with is EJ Lightsey, the longtime Florida commitment. Tennessee had a lot of contact with him in the spring once his staff first got here. The, the Fitzgerald, Georgia standout, um, they're coming off back-to-back state titles. He's a versatile linebacker, got good size, good frame. You know, what? what's he going to do? It, it's apparent that he's not going back to Florida. So it, Tennessee would probably like to add another linebacker, albeit probably the transfer portal, but we'll see what happens there. I think that that's a guy – that we should keep an eye on here late as well. Um, is, is there anybody else that we're leaving out here in 2022 that you feel like we should monitor or in the transfer portal? We've talked about Jeremiah. We've talked about Jerry Burst. We've talked about Jeremiah Caldwell. We've talked about Ahmad Moten. EJ Lotz, he's definitely a name to mention. They've had communication with Isaiah near the Wyoming transfer, but I, I don't know that that one's going to, to, going to come to fruition. Well, they had another uh, corner that was on the board of the transfer portal, uh, Christian Gonzalez. I think a few guys on the staff followed him on Twitter, but he hasn't really been sent out an offer yet. I'm not sure what his interest is, but he's a big corner, 6'2". He started for Colorado this past year, uh, got a lot of playing time as a true freshman. It was kind of It's kind of a strange story because he was a high four-star recruit that kind of blew up late in the cycle, but decided to stay with Colorado. He had offers from Ohio State and Alabama both. I think he had offers from Notre Dame. But really, as far as the big schools, that was it. There weren't really any West Coast schools like Oregon or USC that jumped on them. But those, like, top, like, the playoff teams were the ones that were uh, trying to get him late. And he ended up sticking with Colorado. And um, now he's out after two years. And I think uh, he would probably he, he was the, with, yeah, Signed with Mel Tucker, right? Yeah. Signed, signed with Mel Tucker before he made that jump. So uh, that's a big – for me right there, that's a – kind of what you've said here with the playoff teams expressing interest late, Mel Tucker, a DB guru, you know, able to sign him. That that should tell you a pretty good bit. And then he's gone to Colorado and had success. So uh, probably certainly a guy that is at least worth monitoring moving forward. You have to think Tennessee's going to take the best available defensive back that they can get, if not two. But, you know, we'll see where they're at in terms of numbers. I think it's going to be the biggest question how are they going to manage that? Uh, I, I don't think they're going to take up to 32 guys like they could. Um, I, I just don't see that happening right now. Yeah, it's like you said, they kind of reset everything. You kind of have to because at this point, spots are limited. So do you take another high school guy? Do you take another transfer in that spot? There's really a lot of cases with – and transfers, there's really like two or three different types. There's 
the ones that are instant impact guys, I think probably Tennessee's not in with these guys really, but a guy like Elias Ricks that's going to Alabama or right. Gibbs who just committed. And those are instant impact guys that are going to play right away and probably be big contributors. And then there's like guys that were elite recruits either last year or the year before that are just trying to find a new home or maybe things didn't work out. Uh, I think a guy like that would probably be Terrence Lewis, who's transferred from Maryland, who was a five-star recruit, actually committed to Tennessee. Now he's in the transfer portal. And I don't really think – I know Tennessee hasn't really shown any interest. I don't know what schools have, but that's just an example. One of those – Brandon Jennings, another Maryland linebacker, falls in that category. Yeah. The, the, and, and that's – I think that's going to kind of be the nature of the beast for a little while with the transfer portal. If you're Jameer Gibbs, I've heard a lot of people talk about, oh, Jameer Gibbs would eat in this office. Jameer Gibbs would have – you know, put up video game numbers in this offense. Well, Jameer Gibbs is going to be very successful in Alabama's offense. You know, Elias Ricks is going to be very successful in Alabama's defense. Those guys are are takes at those top-end programs because, like you said, they're going to be immediate impact guys like Darion Kendrick last night for Georgia. You know, that's a guy that Kirby Smart took a lot of criticism over. Um, but he takes him from Clemson. He comes in, he has two picks, and really probably plays his best game on the biggest stage last night. So. I think you're going to continue to see that, but you're going to see those, uh, uh, you know, former elite recruits that went somewhere and it wasn't what they expected. There was a coaching change. Something happened that are trying to find a new home. I think you're going to see Tennessee be able to get involved and have success with some of those guys that they want. Because, again, for a guy like Elias Ricks, he's coming out of LSU because of a coaching change but he was on pace to be an All-American there. He had <clears throat> previously been recruited from Alabama, and so it makes sense for him to go fill a major void that Alabama has. If he's a take there, he's obviously going to play right away again. Um, he's going to be a first-round pick or, you know, a high pick in the next year or two. So, for me, I think if you're Tennessee, you have to take what's best available, and it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out Sorry, I'm having a little COVID cough here. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the the number crunch is going to be so interesting because of a guy like Ahmad Moten, if he wants a spot, you have to think he has one of what Tennessee needs to replace up front. But if you need two cornerbacks, what do you do then? You know, so I – I think it's going to be – I think you're going to see some transfers show up in January that nobody maybe expected. I think you're going – I think, you know, Burst is going to make an announcement. This is his his first real recruitment, so you'll know something on Jared Burst via an announcement. But for, ten, like for, for some other transfers that they've been through this process before, they're just going to show up places. They don't have to announce. They don't have to sign a letter of intent. They're just going to enroll and go to school. Right. And they're going to be working with the team. So, so that's going to be interesting there in and of itself. Leading into February, we'll see where Tennessee's at. Probably, you know, our early semester, we should know how many transfers that they have. So it, it's going to be very interesting. We'll see what happens. But, you know, I think that Tennessee has a chance to close even stronger in 2022, be it with some, you know, really good potential high school recruits like an Ahmad Moten, like an EJ Lotsey, or close out with four to five solid guys in the transfer portal. We'll see what happens. I think it's just going to come down to best available and, and eligibility. 
Yeah. And, and your, CJ, you got any quick final thoughts before we move on to the next topic? Yeah. And then what about spring practice too? Because after spring practice, you might have somebody transfer out that would, could have been a big contributor to the team. Who knows what could happen? So you might really have to leave two or three spots open in the spring to maybe go and get another transfer that could help out just in case something happens like the quarterback battle, for example, Joe Milton. What if Joe Milton decides that you look, I'm probably not going to play here over Hendon hooker. I'm just going to leave. Then all of a sudden you're left with Navy Shuler as your backup, who is a right now is a walk on. And I don't there's really, and then Taven Jackson, who's a true freshman. So you would probably need to go take a quarterback if something like that were to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and for that matter, you have these New Year's six teams playing today. And you see, you got what, 12 teams playing over the last two days here. Those guys are in meaningful bowl games, waiting out, trying to get reps, do whatever. You're still going to have guys from Ohio State announced transfers, guys from Michigan, Georgia. Somebody's leaving the Georgia quarterback room. You have to think maybe a couple of guys. Um, you have to think Stetson Bennett's coming back next year. So, how does that impact that room? Who's leaving the Alabama room? You're going to see you're going to see a lot of transfers continue to come this year before the start of the semester, I think, and then you're going to see it after spring, like CJ said. So I think there's a long way to go here in the transfer portal. So it's it's really tough to be a college football coach in this landscape right now, but you know that's just the nature of the beast. Absolutely, and we'll see how Coach Heupel does in that area moving forward. But guys, let's move on to the second topic we got here. Ten minutes. Let's talk about some early. 2023 target updates so like you know guys in 2023 who are we looking at early to you know maybe commit to tennessee start with cj well, or whatever whoever. yeah go ahead cj <laughs> yeah well i think it kind of starts at quarterback like it does every class you know tennessee got a pretty good one in Taven jackson for 2022 and it looks like their top target and i don't know when he's going to announce might be soon could be in the spring but it looks like their top target at quarterback is going to be uh I don't really know how to pronounce this last name. I think you might be – I think Matt might have to – Nico Ayamaliva. 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 Okay. Yeah, that. but we'll just call him Nico. Yeah, um, 6'6", 195 pounds quarterback out of Downey, California. Uh, number four pro-style quarterback in the country. Has offers from everybody. And right now, I mean, Ole Miss, Georgia is involved. This sounds like a kid that wants to go play in the SEC somewhere. Uh, I think Tennessee's main competition right now after his last visit was probably Alabama, which is absolutely no pushover. I mean, just be honest. And, yeah, it really just depends on when he's going to announce. If it's in the spring, Tennessee will know then if they have their cornerstone of the class. If not, they'll probably have to go reshuffle the board and try to find somebody else to take over that spot. Because, really, you need to take a quarterback just about every single class. Well, one. more and more, if you look at it, and the trend in football and the term really now is the quarterback domino effect, right? So let's look back to this past winter when Ty Simpson chose Alabama over Clemson and Tennessee, right? So Clemson, you know, Dabo Sweeney has the deal with the offers, whatever. I, I don't – he can do what he wants on that aspect. It's working for him. But they hadn't offered Cade Klubnick yet. Um, they lose out on the Ty Simpson commitment and they offer Klubnick a day later. He's committed like a week later. But those are the quarterback dominoes, right? So when Tennessee misses on Simpson, 
or, you know, they swing till the end on Simpson. I don't, you know, there wasn't really an expectation that they were going to get him given all that had gone on and all that was um, going, you know, still to be answered. But they turn around and offer Taven Jackson, Drew Aller. You know, so those guys start to come off the board. So, like you said, I think you take a quarterback to every class, but those dominoes are – those dominoes, you know, start to fall. I think this year – I don't think he's the best quarterback in the country myself, but I think the domino starts with Arch Manning. Um, Malachi Singleton's off the board to USC. I think the next domino is Arch Manning. Um, Alabama feels good about Arch Manning. Georgia feels good about Arch Manning. Ole Miss feels good about Arch Manning. But when that domino comes off the board, I don't think Arch is going to wait around a long time. I think he's going to make a decision. But when when that domino comes off the board, how does that impact Nico? If it's a if it's an Alabama Tennessee battle for Nico right now, and Arch goes to Alabama, then you have to like Tennessee's chances even more. Tennessee's battling as hard as they can for Nico. That to me is their top guy with Dante Moore, Christopher Vizina, Avery Johnson being you know down the board, and then the in-state guy like Marcel Reed maybe being you know the fifth, sixth target in the mix. But, you know, I think Nico is the guy. I think he takes some visits in the spring, and that gives him time to see, you know, some of the the other domino in front of him fall, and and then that gives him a little bit more of a clear picture. So, you know, I I think it's very interesting. I think Nico has a ton of untapped potential. I mean, he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the country at Sports Illustrated. Um, But we'll see what happens there with that domino. I think, like you said, I think that's where it starts. I think you have to take quarterback in every class. I think a big building block for this class for Tennessee starts in-state. Josh Heupel has harped on that, and I think that starts with Caleb Herring. That's that's the guy for me that starts this off in-state. That's the top target. That's the guy that – is the consensus number one recruit, depending on what website you look at. Um, he's going to be in the SI-99 when that rolls out. Just an edge rusher with untapped potential, a guy that the bigger programs want. And you have the family connection. He has the seven-on-seven team connections. He has a lot of friends that are interested in playing at Tennessee. That goes a long way in recruiting for Tennessee if you can land Caleb Herring. Yeah, and I think another major target probably on that list will be Vic Burley, five-star defensive lineman out of Georgia. Six, I think he's listed at 6'3", 160 pounds right now. Warner Robbins played at the same high school as Marquez Callaway. Uh, that's a pretty big target for Tennessee. They were battling Clemson. Matter of fact, that was probably the top two. Uh, well, with Brent Venables leaving Clemson for Oklahoma, now you have to wonder where's his list at, what's his decision, how's that going to affect his decision in any way. And really, you think that would have to put Tennessee toward the top of the list. I mean, obviously, with him being as highly coveted as he is, he's going to have offers from all over the country, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, the regular schools. But uh, that's a big target for Rodney Garner. Yeah, but credit Tennessee for getting him to campus multiple times this past fall and having success on those visits. You know, he got to see Tennessee win. He got to experience good fan environments. You know, I saw him in the stands um, and I was on the field taking photos at the end of the year. Um, saw him in the stands, you know, waving the pom-pom, enjoying time with his family. So that was a big deal for him. Um, but 
I, I think for Tennessee in 2023, overall, the thing that you have to do is win the winnable battles. Again, you don't have the NCAA investigation. You can you can go on some of these bigger hunts now. You can go after some of the bigger fish, whereas you may not have done that. I think Tennessee did a good job of winning the winnable battles and then winning some battles that people didn't expect them to. It was a dogfight in 22 for Josh Josephs. It was a dogfight for James Pierce. They crept in late and grabbed Tyree West. Um, you know, they held on to Squirrel White, but, you know, I think you – I, you have to land Caleb Herring. That's a guy you can't let get out of state. Um, Deshaun Bishop, I think that's a guy that's up their board a little ways right now. We'll see how many running backs they take. We'll see who leaves in the transfer portal. You know, if, if somebody was to leave the running back room in the transfer portal for Tennessee, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, how does that affect their numbers? Do they take two running backs again? I don't know. They're still relatively young at running back when you look at it. So they just offered um, Trayon Webb, who's an elite running back. They've had a connection with Justice Haynes, which is going to be a hard battle to win. But they, they're continuing to pluck and, you know, make the best of what they can. But you have to win the winnable battles. And you have to, you have to win with, you know, have to get Caleb Herring. You have to get some of these in-state linemen that want to be there. If Bryson Sanders ends up being a take for them down the stretch, which I think ultimately he is, they've invested a lot of time there. Um, they have a connection with Glenn Ellerby and his dad having been teammates in the 90s at MTSU. So you have to win those types of battles and then build around those some more. You know, if you land a Nico, who does he bring with him? You know, he's a five-star quarterback. He's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the country. And from a consensus standpoint, he's going to bring guys with him. So in 2023 for Tennessee, I think early on, it's finding a good base, a good core in this class and utilizing that to build towards a strong finish. I think they, I think you saw them have the potential to do that this year. Once they got some guys on campus and started getting commitments, they had a good, good core group, Squirrel White. Cam Miller, Dylan Sampson, all those guys, their stock continued to rise, and then Tennessee finished strong. So I think you need to see them do that again in 2023, and it starts with, like you said, I think getting that quarterback, getting that centerpiece. They have some guys that are highly rated that they're in on. have to feel like they get one of those guys. Get You know, can you get Caleb Heron in the boat early on? You don't want that to drag out any longer than it has to. And then build towards success, you know, to close out the class. Yeah, I think you probably have to use some. Well, first off, I think I think something that'll uh, help Tennessee, especially recruiting a quarterback right now, is that uh, they actually already have a commitment from a pretty good pass catcher, Ethan Davis, who's ranked as the number seven tight end in the country out of Collins Hill. He's been kind of the go-to target. Well, besides Travis Hunter, obviously. Uh, probably that second option for Sam Horn and one of the best high schools and probably all this, really all the country, not just Georgia, but he's uh, one of the best pass catchers in the nation that should be enticing for just about any quarterback, especially Nico. And speaking of pass, cat, pass catchers, uh, I think another one, and this is where Tennessee might have to use some connections with is a Devin Hyatt, who's a six one one eighty a receiver out of South, South Carolina transferred to IMG, but played at Dutch work before. His brother, Jalen Hyatt, plays at Tennessee as a receiver. Uh, I'm not sure really if 
his the impact that his brother makes really affects his recruitment in any way. I'm sure, you know, Hyatt's projected to be a starter next year, probably in the slot. Uh, but that's another one that I'm not saying Tennessee probably has to win because everybody's going after Devin Hyatt right now. But uh, that would be a pretty big piece and a pretty big building block that Tennessee could add to their 2023 class. Again, yeah, that's a that's that's one of the things I'm getting at. That's a winnable battle, in my opinion. Uh, that, that's a battle that Tennessee can win, and you know, you you need to win. You need to win those. That's a that's a connection that you have a family that has been outspoken and likes Tennessee. They've stayed here through adversity. Jalen Hunt's continuing to grow in his game. I think he had his best game of the year in the Music City Bowl. So he should only take a bigger step forward. Um, going into, you know, next season, working in the slot, working outside, wherever it may be. Uh, that That's a battle that you have a chance to win, a connection that you already have. So we'll see. I think Tennessee could have a really good 2023 recruiting class. But those are some of the early names to watch, um, in my opinion. I think we kind of covered all the topics. I think they want a guy – I think they really value a guy like, you know, Cornell Tate. Um that that's again that's a national battle an IMG kid he's arguably the top receiver in the country he's got ties to the Midwest Notre Dame Ohio State want him so you're going to have to really battle hard there but you know we'll see what happens for Tennessee but those are some names to watch early in 2023 as they continue to build and develop their board and guys let's move on to some names to watch in the transfer portal we know Heupel's probably going to try and hit that hard you know to continue to build this program heading into year two so who are some guys we're looking for in the transfer portal? Well, we touched a little bit on Jared Verse, the Albany transfer. Uh, that's number one. You know, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. That that that's the top guy on the board right now. Just a SEC ready pass rusher with so much untapped potential. Three years of eligibility left. High character, high IQ. Gets it on and off the field, this Tennessee staff wants Jared Verse really bad, um, as does about 30 other staffs across the country. So, you know, I think Tennessee has positioned themselves well. I think Verse is focused on a core group right now um, with a decision coming sooner than later, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, I think the main competition is going to come down to Florida State and Miami in the end. We'll see. But Verse has played things really close to the vest. He – has spent time with family of late, talking to them, uh, has been across the country, and just – I credit Jared Verse so much for the fact that he did not discount any school in the process. Coming out of high school, obviously he ended up at Albany. That was the offer that he had. That was where he chose to go play. So he – now is experience and a recruitment for the first time. So he has not discounted any team, even though he couldn't get out on those visits. He has done official visits. He's seen online tours. He's talked to different, you know, coaches countless times. He has listened to every team that has extended an offer to him and is trying to make a football decision. You know, it's not so much about, the campus, the lifestyle, the academics. He understands that all these schools are comparable in that aspect. He wants to go where Jared Verse can play football, 
and get to the next level in doing so. So I, I think ultimately it's going to come down to Tennessee, Florida State, and Miami. But we'll see if there's any outliers there that can make this thing interesting as he starts working towards a decision. Yeah, he did get a couple offers late from LSU, Oklahoma, schools like that. I'm not sure if they're really as involved because he didn't visit there, and I think he might want to make a decision quick. But I wonder if possibly that's why he didn't commit before Christmas like his plan initially was. I wonder if he's uh, thinking about those other schools and probably thinking about taking one last visit before he makes a decision. But, he has um, he has that one last visit left. Um, and I think that's – I'm glad you raised that question, CJ. I think that's the question that kind of everybody's wondering. As of right now, he does not have plans to take that final visit. He plans to make a decision without using that final visit. He's tried to do enough virtually to say that, you know, think that he doesn't need that, that he's seen enough. We'll see. Um, we'll see if a school can convince him. I think he could squeeze that final visit in and still get somewhere in time. So you never say never in recruiting, obviously. Uh, but right now, as we're recording this, the plan is to not take that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, with uh, and you said Tennessee and Florida State, probably the final two schools with Miami kind of being involved. Or I'm not sure if they're behind or right there with them. But if you look at it, it's Rodney Garner again, against Odell Higgins, who's been at Florida State for a long time, probably their best yeah, recruiter, two, defensive line coach. And Garner's two, already two want to know against him. Yeah. Garner's already want to know against him right now with Tyree West. So, Yeah, and, and again, that was that was a surprise to Florida State. Um, leading up to signing day, talking to people around that program, uh, the Seminoles felt really good about connections to Tyree West in South Georgia had recruited him hard, hard, hard through his Georgia commitment. And Tennessee ultimately came in late, and Rodney Garner got one official visit in, was able to sell his vision, his brand of football, what he's done with guys from the state of Georgia, and won out. And, and again, that's a big boy win, and it shouldn't come as a surprise given Rodney Garner's track record. But Odell Haggins is, like you said, one of the best, probably their best recruiter, he has been through multiple coaching staff changes there. That's how valuable he is. So that that's a guy that, you know, knows what he's doing as well as Rodney Garner. So that's going to be a heavyweight back-and-forth battle, and those two schools got the final two visits. We'll see if Miami and Mario Cristobal can make things a little bit more interesting. It, it does feel like they're hanging around. But I, I, I think right now, after talking with – you know, some people that it comes down to Tennessee, Florida State with Miami trying to make it interesting. So we'll see what happens with Jerry Verse. Um, Florida State did an excellent job of selling him on what they did with transfers. They brought in Jermaine Johnson, and he's the ACC Defensive Player of the Year as a transfer from Georgia. So Florida State has selling points, as does Tennessee. It's evident that Tennessee needs pass rushers. Byron Young's continue to develop. Tyler Barron's continue to develop. But Tennessee doesn't have a guy right now like Jared Verse. So we'll see what happens. There's a long way to go, but the Vols are deep in that recruitment. Um, elsewhere in the transfer portal, I think it's I think it's this kind of a wait-and-see situation. We'll see what happens with Isaiah Near. Um, a guy that I think has a skill set very similar to that of Cedric Tillman uh, needs to be developed. But 
after going into the transfer portal, Tennessee offered, but so did several others. He's originally from Texas, and he has offers from Texas, Baylor, TCU, USC's been in, Ole Miss has been in. So the Vols have a battle there, but we'll see what happens in, in terms of Isaiah Neer's recruitment. Yeah, and he's also got an offer from LSU, which is a school that right there next to Texas and uh, area that LSU, they recruit very well right there in that state. So uh, they could probably not be another big factor into his recruitment. Uh, probably a similar frame at 6'3", 215 to another receiver they just had going to the league just a year ago in Terrace Marshall. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think, I, again, I think, like I said, I think you'll see some guys that nobody really knows about that, that hasn't put out any offers, you know, that since they've been in the transfer portal, they've been through this before. You know, I, I think you'll see some guys show up at campuses across the country that, you say, oh, wow, you know, and I think you'll see some of that at Tennessee. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, those two names are the ones that pop right away in the transfer portal for Tennessee. They've already added Gerald Mincy. Um, so we'll see how many transfers they take as, you know, the initial semester starts and they reset their board on 2022. Absolutely, everybody. And that'll do it for this episode of the Volunteer Country on SI podcast. Be sure and follow Volunteer Country on SI at VR2 on SI. And you can give your host a follow while you're at it at Jack Foster TV. Matt, any final words before I send us out here? Happy New Year. Happy Yeah, I hope everyone had a happy New Year as you'll probably be listening to this on the first full week of 2022. And I'm excited for 2022. I know the other guys are as well. But like I said, thank you for listening. And we'll be back with you real, really shortly with some hoops coverage because that's what's coming up. And now the Tennessee football season is over. But for CJ, for Matt, I'm Jack, and we'll see you next time.